Hello, everyone. I'm Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can get this fine program along with a whole bunch of fantastic reality TV content by subscribing to the robhasawebsite.com slash feed. That's robhasawebsite.com slash R-H-A-P-U-P-S feed. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our dedicated feed. Please go to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. Makes a big difference. And if you'd like to go a step further and you like what you hear, you can give us a review and a five-star rating, five stars only, and join people like CC Satoria, who says, enjoyable reviews and commentary. Well, thank you, Cece. That's all we do. (laughs) Love this podcast. Great reviews and commentary on true crime entities. Brilliant. Thank you. We hope that you like this one too. Mm -hmm. Mari, what did we watch this week? So uh, this week we had to step away from reptile cult murder. We will cover that later in the month. Uh, But today we watched Rich and Shameless, Rodman's Stolen Millions on TNT. Uh, Rich and Shameless is a series with uh, different so-called scandals. Each episode uh, kind of is either like sports related, celebrity related. In season one, they covered the theft of Pam and Tommy sex tape, uh, the farmer bro, Martin Scarelli, uh, the girls gone wild, horrible person, Joe Francis. <laughs> I wrote shit stain, Mari. Now, yes, come on. you did. <laughs> <laughs> Among other stories, uh, Rodman's Stolen Millions is the first episode of season two. And here to help us break it all down, the MVP of RHAP, Chappelle. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. It's been a long time since I've been in my true crime bag. But when yeah. I heard we were talking about uh, Dennis Rodman, I felt like, yeah, this is the perfect time to have me. So thank you all for having me back. Yes. yes. And welcome to the Four Timers Club. Oh, is it yeah. Four Times? Wow. Yeah, you're, you're only our second Four Timer. Yeah. Who's the other one? Asia? She beat me to it. No, 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 no. no. It's our unofficial, twice. official third chair, Sarah T. Bunting, who oh, is yes, up course. to six. So, you know, catch her if you can. Yeah, no, I, 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 listen, I've, I've heard her on the podcast. I, I, I knew. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's just jump real quick into the crime. Um, so Dennis Rodman was a uh, American basketball player and former part-time pro wrestler surprisingly, uh, who made money from his athletic endeavors as well as endorsements and appearances. He entrusted his money to Peggy King of King Management Group and Elkin King, who at first she said was her brother, who actually turned out to be her son. Uh, Peggy embezzled about $2 million from Rodman and over $5.8 million from other athletic clients, including Travis Best, Alex Hilliard, Ricky Williams, um, and of course, Rodman himself. She was sentenced to the maximum of 10 years incarceration in Alabama. She has maintained her innocence because of mental health issues, but uh, her son Elkin complains that this is a civil matter and not a criminal one. Um, wow, this this property, this is what I, I love about these like um, these one-offs, these, you know, overarching title, Rich and Shameless, and then the different stories um, that comes after it. It was so well produced. I thought the story was very interesting. And I think we had appropriate talking heads. Chappelle, what was your overall thought process of Rodman's Stolen Millions? Uh, I like this a lot. I don't... um... Like as a, I guess as a like one-off, it was fun to watch. I don't, I don't know if it's just the format that, uh, what is it, rich, rich and shameless, um, <laughs> has, but it did make me want to watch the rest of them. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with Dennis Rodman to, uh, to an extent. You know, I was a basketball fan in the '90s, so you couldn't miss him, as they explain in this. <laughs> um, but uh, I wasn't really familiar with his uh struggles with money. Uh, me neither. 30- yeah, ESPN had the 30 for 30 series that uh, they had one episode called Broke. Broke. Gonna, yeah, and I love so, that. Excuse you. Stop. stop. Yeah. You're still in my recommendation. Listen, <laughs> I'm just saying it was, it was a fun watch. And so this kind of put me in the same mind as that, Mari. So I really mm-hmm. did enjoy it. 
Yeah. Sarah, how about you? Oh, yes. I like this a lot. It's around 40 minutes or so. There seem to be a lot of ads, but I guess it depends how you watch it. It it certainly impelled me to watch a couple more, which I'll talk about later. I think it's a great series. I'm surprised that the so of the three I watched, they have uh, you know slightly different production values, graphics, and so on. So I think that a team goes in on on a on a project that interests them, and I think that really shows through, like in all of them that I saw, but particularly in this one, I was very. I didn't really. I knew the name. I knew the. I knew that handsome face. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that we're the same age because I had had. Uh, had the opportunity to go to Wikipedia and look him up. Um, <laughs> and I I thought the story was very interesting. And I think Elkin King, who you mentioned, is someone that we're definitely going to be speaking about. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that I, I couldn't get a full list of Peggy King's uh, victims, shall we say, but they seem to share, I looked up images of them and they seem to share a particular uh, a common something or other so yeah yeah yes exactly (laughs) can we talk about the talking heads here i think i think this is the appropriate place to start we get i think the the sports journalist mike silver is one of the better talking heads here just because he kind of provides a baseline of like what we know from a media perspective about uh, Dennis Rodman, because like Chappelle said, I know Dennis Rodman. I'm not a basketball person, but Dennis Rodman is one of the people who like has always fascinated me. I I loved his story. He was on the original like Pistons, like the Bad Boys Pistons. Like I'm a fan of them because my mom's from Detroit. Um, But I actually had no clue about these money troubles I had no clue about this story. So going into this, I, it was really enlightening. And I liked having Mike here to kind of place us in time. Who were some of the, the talking heads that you really liked, uh, Sarah? Well, I think it's interesting that you pick out Mike Silver because he's kind of the only one without uh, a barrow to push. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it was a real sort of anchoring talking head. I mean, exactly. You know, he has his opinion, but everybody <laughs> else that we spoke to was either on her side or against her or was one of her victims or, mm-hmm. or something like that, or was, you know, so involved with Dennis or was sucking from Dennis's teat. So everybody yeah. has their own way of uh, presenting themselves well. And Mike Silver is not only a journalist, and we always like hearing from journalists because we expect exactly. some kind of balance, uh, but he was the only one who gave us that. So I was. Very happy to speak to him. Although the other person, I mean, I love Ricky Williams. There's something about him every time I so see my good. Star, I know. Ricky <laughs> Reality TV star Ricky Real- Williams. Big brother <laughs> time, Ricky yes. Williams. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be on camera? Ricky Williams, that I seem yeah, to yes. know out of all uh, American uh, sports people. But his wife was, I thought, very, you know, you really saw the impact of what Peggy King did, not just the money, although, yes, the money, mm-hmm. but the idea that someone would come into your life. And I think she really gave us that. Uh, other people described how Peggy wormed her way in with um, Rodman. But but Kristen could, could she was at her wedding. She threw her the wedding, yeah. you know, and got a shout-out in a speech. Yeah. She was so in their lives. Very very insidious is mm-hmm. the perfect word. So those mm-hmm. those were the those were the two that I, I liked. And I just Elkin King, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> somebody telling on themselves. Yeah, you just sit there and talk a little bit more, Elkin. Uh, what about you, Chappelle? Who 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 did you like? It's funny, yeah. I bring up Mike as a talking head, but he's probably the one we got the least from, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's so funny because he was the best one. But I mean, dear God, we were getting the first hand accounts from some of these people who were getting scanned, like you said, right. you Ricky and his wife. Uh, and then you mentioned, uh, I mean, I, I think it was uh, what was it, uh, the PA as well, Ricky's best Chantel. friend, R- yeah, yeah Chantel. she's a good, mm-hmm. she's another good source she's as really well, good, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Chase Cross and the investment fraud attorney who can actually tell Oof. me, like, you know, what's <laughs> happening here, because he gives insight into like how mm-hmm. this happens to other, you know, athletes as well. You know that they are such uh, easy marks because they have a lot of money. A lot of them have not been trained to deal with that amount of money. And mm-hmm. then uh, if you make life easier for them, they're more likely to open up to you and and kind of uh, have that familiarity with you at a, like in a very quick. Uh, quick pace, you know, and so for people like Ricky and Dennis who didn't want to have to deal with the adult, you know, quote unquote parts of having this amount of money, 
someone like Peggy was perfect. And he was able to outline that, yeah, this happens to athletes all the time because of that same reason. They don't, they don't have a lot of knowledge about this. And so if you come to them, like, and it seems earnest and like, uh, like helpful, a lot of them will just give in. And that's how they keep getting picked off by people like Peggy. Yeah. What did you see at the end? It's 600 million. Ernst & Young um, says it's approximately 600 million in fraud Oof. losses from pro athletes between um, 2004 and 2019. 600 million. So mm-hmm. it's not just Peggy and it's not just these people that we see here. And Chappelle, I think you're absolutely right. Like we get that idea of someone from somewhere. It doesn't matter if you're from, you know, a poor part of town or a middle class part of town. You don't you don't expect to suddenly have $30 million. You don't know, mm. you don't know yeah. how to have $30 million. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why you deserve $30 million, but Dennis certainly thought he was worth twice that much and, and good luck to him. Uh, so y- you suddenly got this money, but it's like, here it is, off you go. Uh, yeah. And so if someone steps in like Peggy King and says, Dal, l- leave it to me. Yeah, let and mama take care of, the time- of you. Most of the time, it's young kids getting this money. It's yes. like, mm-hmm. you know, yes. they just had to, they had to stop the coming out of high school thing. But you're talking about 18, 19, 21, 22, 23 year olds suddenly mm-hmm. have millions and millions of dollars. You know, they they don't sometimes they just don't have the team in place to handle that. And I, and one of the reasons why I, I picked Mike Silver is because he was the grounding force in Dennis Rodman. I think this this episode did a good job of kind of like, giving us enough about Dennis Rodman's like career and personal life, because all of this takes place after his career is over. It feels like the bulk of her stealing and all that happens after his career is over. So, well, his manager, um, AJ Bright, mm -hmm. (laughs) he's very hands up, like AJ, come Uh, on, where were you? He's like, oh, I was management. I wasn't financial. That was her. She was financial. I just got him the money. I just got him the money. I thought I just sent the money. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should. You should. You were. You should hold man. some. Yeah, yeah, responsibility. Yeah, where's your moment of saying I? I could have, should have stepped in. I should have, mm-hmm. could have helped. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you hold out against such a strong, let's say, personality as Dennis Rodman. Uh, but one of uh, I would have thought one of your jobs, AJ, was to would have been to be the no man, not the yes man, but. Hmm. Yeah, and, we don't know everybody, everybody's background. You know, maybe they are making it up as they go along as well. I don't know. And the 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 reason also I think that this is interesting is because, like I said, they made it about Dennis Robin. It's called Robin Stolen Millions, but technically they have a better case presented here with Ricky Williams and and Kristen Williams. Honestly, this could have mm-hmm. been Ricky Ricky Williams stolen millions. To be quite honest, because I think we got a lot more about their case in the the latter half of the episode than Rodman's because technically um, from what we understand, Peggy was, she went to, she was being sued by Ricky and, and Chris and Kristen. It wasn't until she gets sued by Ricky and Kristen and they start, they start realizing their money's gone. That that's when Dennis Rodman starts questioning, well, where, where's his money? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, 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 I found that a little bit interesting. I found that like, are they going with Rodman because Rodman is the bigger personality? Rodman's the one who would be more willing to talk to talk to them. Rodman's story is way more flashier and and, and way more interesting. And then, but the actual facts and a lot of the stuff that we're like nailing Peggy to the cross from is really from the Ricky and Kristen situation. Yeah, and I don't think they do talk to Rodman, am I wrong? I think yeah, it's, it's all archival. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think you have to go with Ricky. I think that you po- you pointed out the flashy part, but I do. I think you do have to go with Rodman here because well. <laughs> because Rodman is the one who is going to have the persona of I'm blowing a lot of this money. And yeah. so that's mm-hmm. that's why a lot of this slips under the radar. Nobody questions it because he's dropping $2,000 a night at the bar. He's dropping mm-hmm. $5,000 at the strip club just at, mm-hmm. on a whim. And he's partying. He's doing all this wild stuff. And he's not tapped in. Ricky Williams wasn't living the life that Dennis Rodman was lived in, you know, living. And so it was a lot easier for them to come across this information. Dennis Rodman was out here just thugging it out. And I also want to point mm-hmm. out this. They said that Dennis Rodman made about $27 million in his career. That's hella low. That is That's hella low. Right. 
This man is a okay. five-time NBA champion, and he played for 14 seasons. I think right now the average NBA play, like a uh, career of like five years or so, they're making a right 24 million in their career. The average NBA player, so that's like 5.2 million dollars a year. Dennis Rodman <laughs> made that much in 14 years as a five-time champion and an Olympian. Uh, that it sounds just, so that's loaded. crazy. Right. And so, and I don't know if it's like inflation or whatever, because it's been a while, yeah. right? It's been 20 years right. since that stuff was going down, almost 30 years actually. 30, and, yeah, but yeah. like, but the thing is, it's like that man could have blown way more. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is small compared to what it could have been. So, you know, imagine now the type of scams that are being run. So I, um, I have a lot of opinions about this whole situation, but I do think Robin is probably the more compelling story because he was just a bigger star. He just, he just yeah. was. Um, yeah. And not and like, I, yeah. And he mm-hmm. wasn't tapped in, you know, he just wasn't. Right, and I'm and I'm not, I'm not faulting the documentarians for uh, picking Rodman. I think that I think that was the the better course to do. Even though, like, I was I was shocked when I saw Ricky Williams on my screen because, mm-hmm. like we've said here, we all have a, a like a, a slight fondness for him, uh, being as he was on Celebrity Big Brother, he's the runner up of Celebrity Big Brother, and just him t- in the house talking about the struggles that he went through through his football career, and even just talking right here about him saying like him talking about how his mental health was just so truly affected by the sport and when he retired people framed it as oh he picked the drugs over his career when it was truly him kind of picking himself I thought that was so interesting that we we got that from from Ricky here and I I thought I loved that aspect of the documentary but I completely understand why why they did this I think we have to talk about not the big elephant in the room but uh Sarah kind of talked about Elkin King man Elkin King comes in he sits down like a baller I'm wondering okay how is he gonna fit into this story and when he's originally introduced or they're told us that he was introduced to them as Peggy's little brother and that, you know, once Rodman signed with Peggy, he was the, he doesn't, did he even have a title? He was, he was a part of the King management group, but he technically didn't have a title. It sounds to me, he was kind of like a personal assistant because uh, he said his job was to get uh, Rodman to the gigs, wherever his gigs were. It was his job to get him there, make sure he came back put him get him up and put him to sleep is what he said his quote-unquote job was elkin king what did we think about him chappelle (laughs) he said he met dennis Rodman at fashion week that's how they come out the gate right Mm -hmm. and within about i don't know five minutes in i was like oh he's definitely related to peggy like he's part of the scam (laughs) i I don't know why it was just like this just instinct Mm -hmm. i had because for, for the longest, I was trying to figure out if there was a black lady. And so then I decided that was her son. And I was just like, yeah, there, there's got to be something here with him because I don't understand his job. I would love for someone to just pay me to hang out with a celebrity. You okay. Know, follow people around, like make sure he gets up and goes to work today. Yeah. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I got to get up and go to work. Come on. You know, uh, drive you around. Okay, cool. Live the life of luxury for no reason. And that's what his job was. So he he said his his job was the day to day. You know, he was basically Dennis's handler while Peggy uh-huh. did the back of the house stuff. But he never talks about any interaction with her. He doesn't even call her his right. mom until the very end of the documentary. <laughs> they they reveal it. He keeps calling her Peggy. He even said at one point a relative. So I was like, this guy is the <laughs> ultimate scammer. Don't get me wrong. His mama is the queen, but uh, mm-hmm. the prince doesn't fall too far away from that. You know. Yeah. I mean, she's she's smart, right? She puts him next to Dennis. And, I mean, he basically said they were together all day, every day for 18 months. You know, he's sitting there in his Versace shirt thinking he's everything. I I found him very interesting. This is – I actually uh, watched this when it first came out a while ago. Uh, so when I watched it again, I was like, oh, yeah, hello, hello Elkin. Yes, I remember mm-hmm. you. And the sort of the – what the documentarians think is a slow unfolding and revealing of Elkin, but which I'm sure all three of us went, huh? You're right. <laughs> Don't trust them. <laughs> sitting there. But it, it is a very interesting moment at the end where he talks. He thinks he's talking in his own defence. I didn't do anything wrong. I only had deposits. I never had withdrawals out of my bank yeah. account. You can check. Mm-hmm. Wink, While wink. he was winking. Yeah. Winking. Uh, but the interesting thing is he said he spoke to the FBI and he wasn't charged. And I thought, I didn't think the first time I saw it, but I thought the second time I saw it, oh, you informed on your mother? Is that what you're saying? 
Mm. <laughs> he thinks it's, mm. oh, like, there's nothing, they don't have anything on me, they didn't charge me. But I thought, mm, you spoke to the FBI and you didn't get charged. I think you told, told some of mummy's business. That was just my, just my opinion, everybody. Don't come for me. Yeah. Big possibility. Um, I also thought it was like he was like, Oh, I there's no deposits. There's no deposits because Rodman's getting cash out to throw to the strippers. You're probably pocketing half of that cash. Yeah. <laughs> You're breaking the cardinal mm-hmm. rule. Like he's handing you a stack. You're putting half in your pocket and throw another half. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how he got a lot of his money during that time. That's right out of Mama's playbook. We saw her mm-hmm. do that with Ricky Williams' wedding. She yeah. she throws the wedding at her house, but she basically runs the tab up and says, "Oh, the wedding singer is going to cost X amount of dollars when it only costs half." She doubled everything, kept half, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it probably runs oh in the family. Um, but to Sarah's point, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he did it because he was still maintaining this shouldn't even be a criminal case. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I informed on my mama, but it was supposed to be civil. The fact that y'all mm-hmm. got my mama locked up. That's that's another thing. Y'all, y'all, y'all playing games, y'all trying to railroad us or whatever the case may be. But he definitely said something. That's why he's doing all the winking and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but you have to know you're a shysty in- individual when <laughs> your your job is to be this person's handler and you are not stopping that person from spending two thousand mm-hmm. dollars a night, five thousand mm-hmm. dollars a night, because you're very aware of how much that mo- that money that, that guy is making. Yeah, that's your mom, you know. And so the fact that you were even letting him go and blow the money he was blowing. Uh, already shows that you didn't have your heart in the right place. So yeah, yeah. From the from the beginning, I was suspicious of him. And like you said, it was their smoke screen. There, it was mm-hmm. the yes. smoke screen. It was like let him blow that money so that when he looks and his bank account is almost empty, he's just gonna think, "Oh man, I had a uh, rough night at the strip club." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, we all come home and thought, "Didn't I have fifty dollars? What, what on earth did Nothing. I spend it on?" And you have mm-hmm. to go back and go, "Oh yes, I did actually spend fifty because I, I did this and I did this and I did this." Uh-huh. So when you multiply that by many many factors, did I blow two thousand, three thousand, or four thousand dollars? I blew it. But, you know, if 2,000 of it's going into, I mean, we're just making this up, but, I mean, this is surely what happened. And then that he went to North Korea with him, but thinking they were were like that Rodman thought it was a great idea is something we can discuss. But that Elkin thought it was a great idea. Oh, no, no, no. You knew exactly what you were doing. They said we like money. Holy worm. This man we. is a lowly worm. Yeah, we yeah. like money. <laughs> we like money. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, you're getting paid and you don't get any of the backlash from going to uh, North Korea. But mm. Dennis Rodman, I remember that was all over Me Twitter too. and everything. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and then they go from North Korea to going to kicking with Putin too. To back Russia? To back. Yeah. <laughs> said, um, you come back to the backlash and then you go and see Putin. Yeah. Like, and is there anyone? AJ, where are you? Where There's are your friends? And okay, mm. if you're not dealing in the financial realm, manage him. Manage, yeah. Like, what were you doing, AJ? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm just wondering because, again, this a lot of this happened post his career. So it's like maybe AJ was was looking at other clients like because he because he wasn't in the height of his career. Another, this is another way for Peggy to be able to, like, get one over on him but that North Korea visit was ridiculous and I I thought it was I did like Elkins uh, I liked his commentary through it because I thought it was funny to like kind of hear what they they said yeah we just thought we was gonna go over there we like the money they asked Jordan Jordan said no Scotty Pippen said no it's like y'all didn't think why they both said no he's like no we like money so we went you know we thought we were bringing basketball to another nation he's like we thought we were heroes I loved how he described like everything was a lie there like Mm -hmm. they were told things there that they thought was for them and it wasn't and then so they have the moment that Dennis comes back and he is just, you know, blindsided by the by the paparazzi. He's I think I truly think Dennis did not realize the ramifications of his action. Yeah. His naivety, you know, it yeah. was crazy. It was wild because his his whole argument is, I just thought we should all get along. We could all be mm-hmm. friends, basketball, yeah. the Globetrotters. Like, what, why can't we all just share love? And people are like, no. You don't go tell this person, he's call this person your friend and you were supposed to be an ambassador. Then he's like, I'm not an ambassador. I was just hanging out with my friends. Like, yeah, you thought you were an ambassador. That's why you went over there. Um, Like, I don't want to like, you know, speak about his intelligence, but I just don't think he was well informed about that situation enough to say, this is a bad idea. When you have somebody like Elkin, who's like, okay, well, we're going to get paid. So I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, He just went along for the ride. He probably, I've never been to North Korea and they're going to treat us good. So let's go. And so that's what they did. Uh, yeah, I think that that people were not saying no to Dennis, and that can go to your head. 
you know, yeah. one says no. If yeah, everything that you say is a great idea, and again, mm. absolutely not talking about his intelligence, but you might go, wow, I, every idea I have is great because everybody <laughs> around me tells me that it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's kind I, of funny how the uh, uh, the North Korea trip actually aids in Peggy King's undoing because mm-hmm. when when the money dry, starts to dry up for Dennis Rodman, he, once he comes back, a lot of American corporations don't want to touch the the hot stove that is Rodman at that time so his money starts drying up more noticeably AJ says like he was supposed to go to Qatar for a basketball thing he was supposed to get paid quarter of a million for it they rescinded the offer apparently they had given him a deposit for it and they had requested the deposit back AJ told Peggy he needed the deposit back and Peggy tried to say well I invested it somewhere and, and AJ is like we told you not to touch that money it's you, like you don't you do not touch deposits Yes, I mean, ex- exactly. This is, yes, you lady. Management one-on-one. So yeah. Peggy Peggy King was essentially doing a Ponzi scheme with her multiple, she was mm-hmm. juggling her multiple clients and she was robbing one client to pay another yep. when she wasn't just totally robbing them and putting it into her house and her her Rolls Royces and her Bentleys and these parties. Good she head to foot tells you yes. everything you need to know about yes. her. Exactly. Yes. So uh, like, let's talk about Peggy King. Chappelle, did you think, did you, do you think you came away knowing enough about Peggy King? Hell no. Nah. I Me need, either. I need more information. For one, yeah. we, we, I, I love a scammer who does not have an end game. Give me, <laughs> give me the fire festival every time, right? Where it's all going to crap and you still show up for the concert that you know not about to happen. That's my favorite type of scammer. And that is what Peggy was because there, you cannot tell me that she planned on doing this until she died. There's there's no money. She don't got nothing. She don't have nothing to show for this. She didn't set up like a side, you know, hustle or mm-hmm. something like that where she could actually make legitimate money. She was laundering the money. I read somewhere she was laundering the money through like 27 different shell corporations and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Lady, you're going to get caught ev- eventually. And then what? And there is no and then what? She didn't have an exit strategy. And I love that. But that's why I want more information from her. We found yeah. out she had a fake Harvard degree. Where did she come from? <laughs> well, right. Chantel, Chantel says it's very small. Like she has a, yeah. a, a framed degree on her wall. It's, it's small. I thought yeah. Yeah, that was your first clue, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you went to Harvard, your degree is the size of the wall, probably. Exactly. You know. exactly. But you think like here, here she is. She has the personality and the riz to, mm-hmm. to get these very high profile, very well played athletes as clients. You could make a huge amount of money from them legitimately. Right. You just that's charge what, them 25%. You know, that's what, uh, who yourself, said that? Was it bonuses. AJ? Yeah. AJ uh, said that she could have legitimately made, had a legitimate management company, but instead yeah. she just decided to steal. But like she, Chappelle said, she you created 27 it. shell corporations. Why didn't you just put that energy into actually managing yeah. money? labor it is crazy because she d- was doing so much work falsifying yeah. documents creating shell corporations she mm-hmm. was doing all that work that she could have started a legit business but i think like a- again i love a scammer who's just in it for the scam <laughs> she did not have an extra strategy she was just blowing the money it wasn't like she was trying it wasn't a means to the end you know um me and my cousin were talking about that earlier it's like it just it was to nothing like i said fire festival all over again once you got mm-hmm. there and there's no concert you should be thinking now what he's like yeah <laughs> Don't stop anybody from coming. They're already coming. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens. That's the <laughs> yeah. life she was living. It's just kind of like, oh, I guess when the money runs out, it just runs out. Or when I get caught, I just get caught. Man, it's, yeah. you, it's giving me George driving Susan's parents to the Hamptons. Exactly. Like, no one well, there is. What's no going to happen? There's You're nothing not there. Get there. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing there. And, you know, uh, and they talked about in the very beginning that that's why her whole scam worked is because she was not charging anybody. She was saying, oh, yeah, I'll just get some of the, you know, some of the, uh, you know, money off the, the acquisitions that we get since we start working together. But you don't have to pay me like a flat rate. And so people are like, oh, well, if she's not paying a flat rate. Then she only makes money on stuff that she helps me obtain. That that feels like a good finder's fee. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a good deal. But that's that's the key to the scam. It makes you feel uh-huh. so comfortable. Like this person is obviously taking a loss or going out of their way to help me in a way that they can you can easily uh, you know profit off of me. So I can trust that person a little bit more. And they were absolutely wrong. This lady is a she was a good scammer. She she had a good thing going. She just picked the right clients. You know why couldn't she have told people that Elkin was her son? Like that was 
That was weird to me. They had they were questioning her about it. Like he had the king tattoo. I think it's a weird vanity about her age. Yeah. You know, Ooh, yes. she can't be old enough to have a whole grown up man as a son. Okay. Yeah. And that, that that was the only thing I could think of. And he didn't even mention that that was again, he said my relative. What am I supposed to do? Embarrass my relative by saying that I'm not their relative? That is your mom. You can say mom. It's okay. And so I think that Sarah's right. I think it's a, a little bit of vanity, but I also think the scam becomes a little bit more transparent if everything is in house. Right. So he's conveniently taking the Dennis on all these wild excursions and stuff like that and be, being complicit in all the spending that he's doing while his mom is conveniently pocketing all this money and doing the back end stuff. It's like, uh, uh, it's like you have a monopoly on this man's life you know, because it's staying within the family. So I think when you say, oh, this is my child, you know, it starts, you, it starts to make you look at him and say, well, are you connected to this? You know, it's a lot mm-hmm. easier to believe that they're not connected or he's not in on the scam if he's not related. Um, oh, but, no. Or even a brother you, sort of has, a, yes. has some sort of um, independence more mm-hmm. so in your mind than a son does. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. It looks so bad when you say, oh, yeah, you had nothing to do with this. And this was your mom. Like, this was your mama. And you and you y'all work for the same company, her company, your mother. And you had no mm-hmm. clue that she was scamming your quote unquote best friend for years. Yeah, shenanigans every time. To this mm-hmm. day, he says it was a beautiful company. King Management Group was beautiful. And it's almost like, and she, she wrecked it. You know, she's in, (laughs) she's in jail now for 10 years. And I wouldn't like to be in jail anyway for 10 years. I don't know if I'd like to be in jail in Alabama for 10 years. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you, you were saying that she was, um, we get her audio. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. uh, Um, Tee it up for me. Well, it was the, bitter cries of a pathetic child really yeah like where's the where's the aforementioned riz where's the brio where's the verve Mm -hmm. where's the i'm fighting it on appeal where's the i am innocent of all charges there wasn't Uh it it was a strange soft whining voice it was really fascinating because we don't get it till much later in the episode Uh before that we get people talking about her we get photographs of her we get the fact that she was diamonds head to toe gucci head to toe Uh Uh, mothered she was the mother dennis rodman never had i'm sure dennis mother wouldn't like that but you know we hear these descriptions of her and finally we hear this defeated small pathetic really voice Mm -hmm. um what did Mm -hmm. you think of this Chappelle the audio of Peggy well the thing with the audio was that you know they play her her voice a couple times throughout but the one that stands out to me the most is the when she's basically making her plea to say that she's innocent because of her mental health and my question I guess for y'all is that uh because y'all talk about this stuff more way more than I even think about it is that what is the line between yeah this is a mental Mm -hmm. health issue or this is just a scammer because uh, you would say, yeah, like this is a horrible person. They're scamming people. But if you say, like, because of my mental health, it makes me like unable to see that this is a bad thing. You know, I cannot stop these things. It's out of my control. Sarah, when you when you look at these situations, is it is it something you take into consideration when people start saying that, or do you just immediately kind of look at it as, no, you're probably just lying to save your own ass. Well, I could definitely believe that she has some mental health issues because it would take a lot to hold all this in your head and be able to go about your day, to go to someone's wedding, to be toasted at their wedding for the great friend and support that you are while you know that you've padded the bills. So there's something, there's some disconnection there. I certainly look, I I have a friend who has uh, suffered from severe mental health issues and one of the expressions of that was uh, spending sprees and a crazy I'm sorry, I shouldn't use the word crazy, manic spending sprees. But at the end of the episode, there is a knowledge and a shame of what you've done and eventually a seeking for help. So I'm not saying that Peggy doesn't have mental health issues, but that she still has them and hasn't sought treatment is where you can draw that line. Because people with mental health issues don't have no morality. Right, right. They right. do and behave in certain ways that are not acceptable societally, perhaps not acceptable to themselves. But it doesn't mean, unless you're a, a sociopath or a psychopath, both of whom also know right from wrong, they just don't care. Don't care. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that oh, it, it makes me 
it makes me a bit squicky because I, yeah. you know we must be we must be sensitive about people's mental health, all of our mental health, and luckily now more and more is known about it. But to say I did this bad thing, but I have mental health issues, those two things can go together, but one is not an excuse for the, the other. other. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think you put that really eloquently because when I heard that, I was like, "Did she stretch before she reached?" Because <laughs> that, that whole that Remember whole I, that I was manic, so I was spending. I had never heard of that before. I was like, yeah. I, I felt like that was. I was like, okay, sure, girl. But yeah, I yeah, but I, not but six, I agree not with six million worth. Like you know, if you're right. spending six yeah. million. Like so in the I, same I way, you know, if you're maxing out a card, you know, a credit right. card. Right. Cause that's definitely the call I'm making. I'm making to my credit card company very soon. Uh, it's like, hey, y'all, yeah. I'm, I'm manic. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it was me, take but y'all got to, yeah, but take the charges <laughs> off. It just, yeah, it, you're right, Sarah. She just didn't take any accountability. She's just like, yeah, yeah exactly. I was manic. No accountability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, well, you ruin these people's lives. Do you feel bad? You know, do you, um, mm -hmm. what do you plan to do to, to fix this? You know, Ricky has to sue you. Dennis Rodman is behind what? hundred thousand dollars in child support or something like yeah. that by now mm -hmm. and his electricity is cut off right he his thinks you're paying his child off. support his yeah. kids are going without money that their dad owes them you know what what is happening here you don't i, I didn't hear any remorse and so to answer the mari's question i know we talked around the circles a little bit but yeah i would like to know more about that you know how does yeah. she just think that that's gonna fly and move on we don't have any backstory on her really Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And and Ricky and Kristen owing three hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars to the IRS. Like, I would be so pissed. Do you yeah. understand how pissed I would be? It's like your main job is to make sure that these people don't come get my money. Like, mm -hmm. and and Kristen saying like she opened up one of their bank accounts and they had zero dollars in it, like not even a yes. dollar. I could yes. not imagine the blind fury. I would have been in. But this is this was the scam. I mean, it's so basic. So, mm -hmm. Chappelle, I put the I deposit the money in your account. Mm -hmm. So here's the deposit. Look, here's proof that I deposited it. And then I take it out the next day. <laughs> right. And I'm never gonna go look because it's so I know you deposited it. It's so unsophisticated. This is what you're talking about, mm -hmm. about the scammer with no exit strategy. Mm -hmm. it's so unsophisticated like all of it she took it all out not even like small incremental payments right. and over time it's like 800 what do you say 85,000 deposit or 850,000 mm -hmm. deposit next day wired yeah well, <laughs> I mean we, we joke we joke about the the fruitcake fraud but that guy mm -hmm. was completely covered his tracks Yep. His system <laughs> was absolutely airtight, foolproof, and airtight, uh, like and would have been if uh, that marvelous young woman hadn't gone come in and gone. Um, so it's not quite right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, we talked about her charisma a little bit, and you know, like you said, Sarah, it didn't really come across in the in the audio, but. Man, this woman had to. She had like the gift, the gift of gab, I guess you'd yeah. say, because because she we, we we mentioned the wedding, right? Uh, Ricky Williams and his wife Kristen were getting married, and they decided to. Uh, and um, Peggy offered to have the wedding at her house because she has this big lavish mansion, uh, and she Peggy invited Dennis Rodman to Ricky Williams' wedding, in which time Ricky <laughs> Dennis Rodman gave a toast. At the wedding for two people, he really didn't know that well, right. but he gave the toast and dedicated all of it to Peggy. He mm. didn't say one thing about the couple. He said, hey, <laughs> y'all, I just want to give a shout out to like the most important person in the room, the person who made yep. this all possible. There's an amazing woman, Peggy. That woman brought this man in just to highlight her, just to just mm. big her up. And it mm -hmm. worked. You know, that's that's the kind of control she had over him. And so, you know, like I said, it might just be a very specific character type that she's looking for when she does these things or that she needs to make this happen. But she got it. And she doesn't have a whole lot of A-list celebrities on her list. You know, like Dennis Rodman is by far the biggest name. And then mm -hmm. Ricky Williams is number two. Uh, and mm -hmm. so, you know, she... I think you have to be a specific type of person for her scam to work. And when it works, it really, really works. Mm, good point. All right. So let's just go to some further properties before we uh, get into the ratings. Sarah, you said you wanted to talk about other episodes of Rich and Shameless. Yeah. I mean, I think in this episode, we see the graphic used is, I think, very effective. It's a wonderful, broad, athletic back with, 
uh, tattoos growing on it and then a flower and then the flower dying and it wasn't overused. They use different graphic techniques in in other episodes. One of them is is very much like the White Boy documentary, Murray, that we talked about oh. with Ronald Young mm-hmm. Jr. And other another is a it's sketches being done. So there's a really nice production element to it. But I watched the Wu Tang Clan versus Martin Screlly. Mm. Brilliant! It is yes. an absolute gem. This this is good. That one to me is just like, and we wanted to do this one because it was Rodman and because it was the first episode of this new series. Mm-hmm. That Wu-Tang one is fantastic. The access that they have uh, is is far greater than we see here. And then the, uh, so I knew a little tiny bit about it. I didn't know the whole story, so that was great. I love not knowing the story. And then there's a man that I didn't know his name, Bison DeLay. Bison oh, DeLay. Yeah, but, yeah, Bison uh, DeLay. Mm-hmm. Also, also a basketball player, and that's a fascinating and very sad story. Very and sad story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really fit with the rich and shameless. He was rich, but he was one of the few who wasn't freely spending right. uh, his money, and yet still there was a, a huge downfall and a very sad story, beautifully told, like beautifully told. So I am looking forward to watching all of them because mm-hmm. I I just picked those two at random, but they all interest me, I think, too. That's the other thing. So if I know a little bit about it, I know I'm going to get more. And if I know nothing about it, I know I'm going to get a great story. So I'm very high on this series. Yeah. I They also have an episode about Hulk Hogan versus uh, Gawker. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see that, um, to watch that, because I watched the Nobody Speaks documentary, uh, Trials of the Free Press, that was about that that featured Hulk Hogan versus Gawker. And so I want to see how that how the Rich and Shameless episode stacks up against that. So uh yeah, I, I definitely think that this this series is, is great. Any any last words before we go into the ratings? Well, I'll say that to Sarah's point about the Wu-Tang thing. Yeah, uh, y'all owe me that Once Upon a Time album, so make it happen. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I'm old enough to remember that whole Hulk Hogan thing. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, want to know what happens with that. I think all the, all the it's, uh, episodes it's a listed. It's ridiculous story. Yeah, all the episodes sound amazing just the like mm-hmm. the the taglines they have on the list of episodes and I've, i watch it on the tnt app um mm-hmm. and so um like there's one that's like basketball murder for money and it's about lorenzo uh, so right? Sad. Lorenzo, yeah, right yeah and yeah and and there's, there's so that these are very compelling stories uh and they're easily watched uh, like sarah said there's a mm-hmm. lot of commercials i think it was like seven commercials during each, each break which is Jeez. wild <laughs> i them but mm-hmm. it's great so, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to uh, co-sign that and say that I, too, will be watching all the rest of them. Great. So, Chappelle, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate Rodman's stolen millions out of a possible five? My, I have an issue with it. And, uh, and mm-hmm. it, was about, it was about Peggy. I really do uh, feel like if we're talking about this as a story about Dennis Rodman, it makes sense. But the villain right. is not clear. You know, like I, I think that we we very much know Elkin is the villain and we know that Peggy mm-hmm. is the villain as well. But we don't learn enough about Peggy. Uh, we mm-hmm. really don't learn much about Elkin except that he just be there. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that really bothered me. Also, it was like 10 minutes left in the episode before they even got to the case. You know, we um, yeah, and that and I thought there was more. I was waiting to like, OK. Tell me how, which crimes you got are on, because like, mm-hmm. like Elkin was saying, this should be civil. Um, but there's like there's specific uh, like crimes that she got tried tried with. She only got ten years. This is millions of dollars, and she got ten years. I wanted to know more about that. I would love maybe like thirty more minutes to get into the actual case because we mm-hmm. don't know how that went. We just know she went to jail, and so uh, I can't give it. I can't. I can't like five. I can't give it five. You know right. what I'm saying? So I was like. Because I, I do have that issue. Uh, but aside from that, I thought it was very fun. I thought, like, you know, the way it was presented, I thought it was very cool. Um, maybe like four. I guess I give it four. But I just really, I really have an issue with this whole, you know, like the, I won't say the runtime, but definitely the lack of content when it comes to the actual case. This was more like a story of Dennis Rodman blowing his money rather than a story of the case of what happened when Dennis Rodman blew his money. So, yeah. I, I, I believe she ended up pleading guilty to, transferring assets interstate transfer of funds or something like that so yeah. that's why yeah yeah yeah. she ended up pleading guilty that's why she got the right. 10 years instead of 
way more time I think that she actually deserved. Sarah, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate this episode? I'm with Chappelle. I kind of want to give it five because I think, you know, as I've spoken highly both of this episode and of the series as a whole, I think that I really, really liked this one. And then as I watched uh, the other two, I thought, oh, these ones are better. So. I know it's a rating and not a ranking, but mm-hmm. if I was to give the others a higher mark, I have to give this one a lower. But I would say four for its watchability. There are things that we watch that we then do side research. Yeah. <laughs> we look things up on the internet. Folks, that's not research. Uh, <laughs> we look things up on the internet because we're annoyed that we don't have more information. But mm-hmm. I think this is one of those ones where you look things up on the internet because you're inspired to find more. They have 40 minutes, they have a pretty straightforward remit, and they tell the story from the angle that they're going to tell it very well within that time. Then there are other things that you want to know that send you to the internet. And mm-hmm. I think that there are way, there, there are properties where that's a bad thing because they haven't satisfied you and properties like this where it's a good thing where they've satisfied you and whetted your appetite at the same time and you go and you look for more information. So I was hovering between a 3.5 uh, five and a 4, but I think I'm going to give it a 4 because I think it's it's very successful as at what it set out to do. How about you, Mari? Yeah, I completely agree. I was hovering at 3.5 as well. But thinking about some of the other like one-off stuff that we've covered, I'm thinking like Death by Fame, Web of Death, Death in the Dorms. I think that this one is, even though you said rating, not a ranking. Um, I do think this one is done really well. Very entertaining. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a four as well. The graphics, the tattoo graphics were really fun and compelling so there were no unnecessary talking heads I felt like everybody had their place they had their function I appreciated it great runtime minus the commercials but (laughs) that's not their fault you know so I think we're all on one accord here definitely fours across the board uh so let's move on to recommendations Chappelle do you have a recommendation for our listeners at all I don't. I well, I was going to recommend. I mean, you and I kind of talked. You about can do it. it. I know you're going to get to it. Uh, you can do it. Uh, I, I got yeah. another one. <laughs> ESPN does their uh, their documentary series called Thirty for Thirty, where they just deep dive into basketball stories, well known basketball stories, and then some other stories as well. Um, and one that they talk about is broke, um, and it is the story about how a bunch of these uh, big time athletes start a career at such a young age, 20, 19, mm-hmm. 20 years old, and then uh, are immediately taken advantage of by people who are scamming, uh, whether it's Ponzi scheme, fake corporations, investments, whatever the case may be. And it shows how a lot of them blew that money. Uh, and so if you want more insight into something like this with Dennis Rodman, that's definitely where I would I would look. Um, yes. Because it's, it, this made me want to rewatch it, honestly. Honestly, I looked for it. I looked yeah. for it so I could rewatch it. Broke the 30 for 30 uh, called Broke. I think it was a two-parter, right, Chappelle? I, I want to so. say mm-hmm. it was a two-parter. It is one of the best. I think it was one of the first 30 for 30 documentaries that I watched years ago that completely ma- made me rethink the like athlete, like athletes and money. It, 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 I, I think everybody should watch it, especially if you, you, you know, a lot of people have dreams of, of making it big in, in sports. If you have kids and you think your kids is going to be the next Michael Jordan, definitely watch it because Broke really <laughs> broke down uh, how people get scammed, how they lose their money, how they go from, you know, making this much money to like they look up, they're injured and now they have no money. It was, it was such a good docuseries. So definitely uh, go and watch that. I'll also do my recommendation right here because I know Sarah's going to get into um, something for a little bit. Along with Broke, I would also suggest you watch American Gangster Trap Queens. If you want more about Peggy, she does have an episode. It's uh, season two, episode seven, and it's called Peggy Fulford. So I think they get into more of her aliases because um, in in Rich and Shameless, they kind of hint that uh, Peggy Peggy had multiple aliases and that people weren't even sure what her real name was. But like Chappelle said, they didn't really dive deep into it. So if you want to know more about Peggy, you can go to you can go and watch American Gangster Trap Queens season two, episode seven. So I Sarah, they, I wonder what they know her as in the jail. 
Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> oh, I mean the thing, the thing about people scamming, you know, these young athletes with a lot of money. I mean, there are the active scammers like Peggy, but there's also like Elkin was not the only young man hanging around strip mm-hmm. joints with mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman. There are other people just waiting for the shower of money to splash them in the face. When is it's it not active fraud, but it's like the hanger, the hangers on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we continue, though, uh, even uh, we we mentioned broke um, and, and broke. There's a, a football player named uh, Andre Risen. He's a very Oof. important part of that. And the crazy thing about Andre Risen is he's attached to another scammed uh, person because Andre Risen used to be uh, connected to Lisa Le- Lefta Lopez from mm-hmm. uh, TLC, who was scammed by their manager, Pebbles. And she breaks Ugh. it down in a pl- plenty of interviews about how Ugh. they this this was the the hottest, quote unquote, girl group of all time when they were at the height of their game nobody was out selling TLC and they were broke and so he was broke and his girl was broke and then she burnt down his house and so <laughs> if you if you want more information on that look that up because that is some good that is some good information man uh left eye left <laughs> eye doing the the math on a morning show that gives mm-hmm. me chills every time i every time i hear it i was yeah. just watching the tlc story the other day exactly and so that being combined with andre Ryzen also getting scammed yeah the it comes full circle well wasn't andre Ryzen? didn't he also have like so many freaking kids that like he had to pay so much child support. It, it might not have been him, but anyways, yes. Uh, Sarah, uh, would yes. you like to get into your recommendation? Yes, a sort of more, a mini review. I thought I'd take the opportunity of having Chappelle here mm-hmm. to talk about uh, one of I think the the very good documentary series of certainly this half of the, the top half of 2023 and it's Waco American Apocalypse. It's on Netflix. It's three 45-minute episodes and you will not feel the time, I guarantee you that. There's a couple of interesting things. Like I was an, a, a fully grown adult at the time of Waco, so I do remember it happening. And then in 1997 a documentary came out called Waco, The Rules of Engagement, and I remember going to see that. That questioned the government's version of the events. So even back in 1997 there was this idea of what we were told and what actually happened, maybe two different things. So I was very intrigued to see this new three-parter. I thought, how are they going to do it? They start straight away with the ATF raid. They don't mm-hmm. give you the backstory. They don't give you Carisha's um, life history. They don't give you how Mount Carmel got set up. They go. They start at the raid, and I was. It's breathtaking because as it unfolded, and we never went back, and we never heard any of those things. I thought, yes, this documentary wants to look at the actions in those fifty-one days, and the breadth of people that they talked to. And the understanding that I got by the end of it, I mean, so many people died, 84 Branch Davidians and four ATF agents. It's very hard for us to hold, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I think it was 82 uh, Branch Davidians. It's very hard to hold 82 people in our heads that have died. Somehow this documentary, I won't say humanised because I never thought they weren't humans, but for such a, a procedural documentary, and I love procedurals, it was very procedural. This happened, mm. that happened, that happened. There's a human beating heart behind it about these are people and this is what happened to them, and not just the Branch Davidians but some of the men who were involved over those days. I mean, it's interesting. They're all probably around my age now, so it was very good timing it's the 30th anniversary plus they're all going to start popping off people my age start dying so you know let's get these uh, men mostly men and some women uh, while while we can uh Chappelle what did you think of this documentary being as how you're just down the road yeah uh so people don't know this about me but I'm very much a Houstonian but I was born in Waco and so uh, my entire family is from Waco I was uh I was uh I believe in Waco when this happened and uh, I was a wee lad. So I don't recall a lot of the events. I just remember the commotion. You know, I remember uh, everybody talking about it and I remember the, like the conversation that came from it afterwards, you know, people, 
um, I mean, Sarah, you made a good point where you said this humanized uh, a lot of the Davidians, uh, but um, I'm going to be very clear. The Davidians are still here. You know, uh, like I, mm-hmm. you could, I could run into them at H-E-B or at the grocery store or whatever the case may be if, if, if they're going to work, you know? And so um, for us, it's, it's like they've always been human. But the question always was like, you know, were these people just in like a death cult? You know, like what what is their motivation? And so to see a documentary like this to where it outlines almost like evenly both sides of what the story is, right? It shows the cops, their version. It shows the snipers. It shows the media. It shows the people inside the branch of that survived. It shows everybody. So now you can see like, oh yeah, I understand why this person wouldn't want to walk outside and and go and uh, and try to turn themselves into the police. I understand why you would shoot, you know, in a situation like that. Like I might not it might not be a choice that I would make, but I definitely see the thought process coming behind it. And then to Sarah's point, you know, there's also some uh fogginess around how did this even start? We know that um you know the 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 police and stuff were sent in for warrants for like uh ammunitions and these these uh, uh machine guns and stuff like that mm-hmm. um that these people the Davidians have been hoarding because they were convinced that there was going to be a huge fight like the government's coming here to do exactly what happened to come and burn this <laughs> right. place to the ground kill us all and then we're going to come back and then we're going to uh attack you know and and get uh, avenge avenge this moment that happened so they were prepping for that and so then when uh when they talk about the initial siege um it's it's led to um them questioning who shot the first bullet you know was this going to be a peaceful negotiation or a conversation but once the first bullet started flying everybody's shooting and then this lasts 51 days i believe yes. this is a crazy long time to have people held up in a building uh people who have potentially been shot people who have been shot at children you know uh in that in those situations there was a uh, uh, enhanced interrogation techniques and uh, and negotiation techniques going on as well that they really don't talk about too much, um, including something that I've always found interesting: the musical torture. Uh, one of the things that they, oh, uh, yeah. they yeah they did was they just blasted music at yeah. and, like different sounds at them in the middle of the night. Poor remember, Nancy Sinatra, right? Yeah, these yeah. boots are made for walking. What's up? And so they would play <laughs> that. They would play songs like that in the middle of the night to try to like uh, to draw these people out of the house and they were blaring. I'm talking blaring the like uh like sounds of like the phone being left off through like beep 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 mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um and there are children in there, you know, and there are children in there getting shot at. And they 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 offered to tear gas the people, you know, at some point said, oh no, it's not an attack. Please don't not shoot. Assault. No, no, yeah, it's not it's an not assault. assault. We're just gonna tear gas you, but don't shoot. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. We have enough tear gas for 48 hours. I right. think for me, the clarity here, which I have never ever got, and I thought is really the the gem of this documentary is the internecine fighting in the government agencies. Mm-hmm. So there are the negotiators, and we talked to several of them now, including one who had carefully, slowly built up an incredible rapport with David Koresh, and then, oh, no, you have to go away on assignment. He's saying, but Koresh is talking to me. No, 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 you go, you go. So everything he'd built up uh, was shattered and the new man had to then build up again. So you have the negotiators who are talkers, and mm-hmm. then in come the hostage rescue team who are doers. Shooters. So they want to be active. <laughs> they want to shoot. They want to go in. They want to tear gas. And what was said by one was undercut by the other. So the negotiators would promise one thing. The hostage rescue team would do something else. They're on the negotiators are on the phone saying, oh, no, we're not sending people in. And they're going, uh, John, I'm looking out the window. I can see them taking someone's up. Climbing in. Yeah. Someone's climbing in the window. So I think that the clarity of that and letting those stories, that story be told as well, the frustration and the 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 rolling horror of the disaster that was to come. Um, yeah. And also I actually thought the Branch Davidians, because he was David Koresh, but of course, as you say, that was that was a long established uh religious. Uh, sect, shall I say? I'm, see, I'm not saying cult. <laughs> I should, yeah. but I'm not going to. Uh, but I am. I thoroughly recommend this. It's quite hard to watch, but it's something that. I mean, one of the things that that Mary and I talk about on this show. Obviously, we want to be entertaining, but we also feel like part of our job is to, you know, not to be too high fluting about it. But it is to bear witness to certain things, and mm. so uh, we will watch things that are difficult. This for me was difficult. 
but really important because it's not the long ago past. It's only 30 Mm. years and it is not something that can never happen again because it has happened again and continues to happen again. And also it's just extremely well made quite apart from anything else. Right. And uh, prior to this being released, I remember uh, around the time of the pandemic, Netflix had started to air the 2018 docu-series, well, series Waco, which is like a dramatization of all of this. And so if you watch that and then this, you have a really good feel for what was going on because that one did give you the backstory of David Koresh or Vernon Howell, as he was known before he you know, joined the Davidians and changed his name to David. Um, and so that's another good one. I think it's on Showtime, but I, it might still be on Netflix. I haven't seen it on Netflix in a while, but it was on Netflix for a very long time. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that gives you a lot of insight. Uh, and then also, if you're not familiar with this, uh, the actions that happened at the siege of Waco uh, are directly connected to the Oklahoma City bombing yes. in as well. Um, Timothy McVeigh being present at the... They have, uh, they have film of him. They have, they have footage of this of man yes. who later on goes to murder a bunch of people by blowing up a building. On the anniversary. Yeah, on the anniversary of this happening. And those two things are aligned. And so it's it's interesting. Like Sarah said, it's well made. The story, all of it, it's, it's tragic. But it also gives you some insight into the situation where you have to question, yeah, it's, it's not as cut and dry as you would think, right? You said, they say, come outside, you come outside, it's over. But that's not necessarily the case. And um, I don't talk about religion a lot on these podcasts. It doesn't come up that often for me, but I'm very much a Christian. And, you know, and if you tell me that uh, if I'm convinced that Jesus is kicking it in the house with me, Jesus say, don't go. I ain't going nowhere. You know? <laughs> um, and, and that's and that's a thing, you know. And so for these people to be so rooted in their belief that it led to the ultimate, like this ultimate tragedy in conjunction with all this other stuff that happened is a, a very sad tale. But I think the documentary does a really good job of, of showing that. Last podcast on the left did a fantastic Waco series. I want to say it was a four-parter podcast, and they definitely delved deep into how the police lied about a lot of stuff, (laughs) to say the least. So you can also check that out. That's from a couple years ago. At Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene R-H-A-P. That's Crime S-E-E-N-R-H-A-P or email us at Crime Scene R-H-A-P at gmail.com. Thank you. We've we've gotten another email. Thank you for everybody who, who uh, sent us e- emails. We do read them. Sometimes we read them on, on show. Sometimes we don't, but we definitely appreciate hearing from you. Yes, we're on TikTok as well. You can comment there. Nobody does, but they do smash that like button, which which pleases us. Mm-hmm. Uh, TikTok is crime.scene. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Crime Scene Podcast. And please remember to subscribe to our dedicated feed. Rob has a website.com slash crime feed. Chappelle, what do you have going on and where can the people find you? People can follow me on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore show. To keep up with all the podcasting I'm doing, uh, it's actually my slow season, so this is a good time to follow me because I'm not tweeting about that much uh, when it comes to podcasts. But uh, uh, recently, Ariel and I over on Post Show Recaps dropped our Grey's Anatomy coverage to cover the finale of this most recent season of Grey's, uh, and we should be doing some one-off uh, Grey's coverage throughout the summer uh, to keep people, I guess, fed when it comes to their Grey's content during this writer strike. And so, uh, and that, check that out on PostShowRecaps.com um, as our series called Grey's Anatomy's Anatomy and then over on uh, the Nothing But Netflix podcast myself and Rob Sesternino talk about a different Netflix show and property every week Uh, and uh, this week coming up I think we're teaming up with Sasha Joseph to finally talk about Never Have I Ever on Nothing But Netflix so that's going to be a great time a little crossover between uh, with me and Sasha and our other podcast on Silent Podcast where we cover Never Have I Ever episodically which should be starting soon Uh, so keep up with us over on Silent Podcast as well Um, I'm still talking about The Walking Dead on Post Show Recap. So myself, AJ Mass, Jessica Lease, and Josh Wiggler are still covering uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, I believe this week is the mid-season finale of the final season of Fear the Walking Dead. And then uh, The Walking Dead Dead City starts uh, this week, too. So there's more Walking Dead coverage to come, more Walking Dead on AMC. So tune in to all of that and for more, uh, more zombie content. Uh, and I think that's it. But if I forgot something, charge it to my head, not my heart. You started that by saying this is your slow season. 
I yeah, just wanted to point yeah. that out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, Walking Dead is never ending, but uh, at least I ain't got Bel Air and Snowfall and Abbott all at the same time because it got <laughs> tough for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Connect might be coming back pretty soon. So, yes. um, so stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. Uh, what have you got going on, Sarah? And where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine, where I talk about everything I'm doing and comment and like other people's things. I was on the Crime Writers On book club talking about Rogues by Patrick Radden Keefe with past and future guest of the show, Toby Ball and Leah Satilli. And I talked all things Yellow Jackets season two with Kimberly and Katie from A Date with Dateline. They have a YouTube channel called A Date with K&K, so check us all out there and follow them there. What about you, Mari? Um, the Wrestling Wrap Up is back. Woo! Me and Matt Scott hey. are back talking all things wrestling. Um, a few weeks ago, we did a special Pride episode where we talked about Pride and pro wrestling and talked about LGBTQIA plus issues when it comes to pro wrestling and where are we, how far have we gotten with those issues and storylines and how, where we can go in the future. Please go check it out. We had a wonderful like cameo at the beginning of it as well. So much fun. So glad to be back. Uh, and it is the road to money in the bank right now. So uh, we're going to have lots of amazing guests. Go, uh, go. Yes, Chappelle will be there. <laughs> and Rob. Uh, go to robhasawebsite.com slash wrestling feed to subscribe there. I also was on last week with Puya at um, the 90 Day Fiance podcast. Uh, I was on the Hot Mess Express talking about the new season of Before the 90 Days. Uh, we found some levity in a season of sadness, um, but I'm so glad that I, whenever I get to talk to Puya, it's always a great time. So definitely go check that out on the 90 Day Fiance feed. Um, and like I said, make sure you are subscribed to the Connect at, on Post Show Recaps. Uh, hopefully we'll be have some one-off specials coming pretty soon to celebrate Juneteenth, which is, uh, which is uh, past. So uh, make sure you stay connected with the Connect on Post Show Recaps. Sarah, what are we covering next time? Next time on Crime Scene, we're covering Take Care of Maya, Keeping It Light, Not, uh, mm -hmm. with the great Jason Reed. Uh, watch it on Netflix and please do send us your comments and questions. Trigger warning, it is a heavy one. Thanks to Chappelle for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, and the whole RHAP team behind the scenes. Until next time, case, case closed. closed. <laughs>